It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at threepointpod. The fellows will get enrolling right after this from our partners. The Wash of Owasso is excited to welcome you to their new and state-of-the-art full-service laundromat. Conveniently located at 809 West Main Street in historic West Town, Owasso. They're open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for the coin laundry, or you can drop off your laundry for wash and fold service Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 p.m. Too busy to stop in? No problem! As the Wash of Owasso will pick up your laundry right at your door and will deliver it back to you the next day. Go online to thewashofowasso.com. That's the Wash of Owasso. To view pricing or call 989-472-3322 and schedule your pickup as a special three-point podcast bonus. Enter code 3PP, that's the number three and two Ps, at checkout for 10% off your first order. The three-point podcast team welcomes the wash of Owasso to our team. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, hello, everyone, and it's time now for episode 214 of the Three Point Podcast, presented by Memorial Healthcare. Well, Miggy is in rare MLB territory now that he slammed big number 3,000. Big Dickinson Energy stays in Ann Arbor. The NBA playoffs continue, and the Nets are done. Hard to believe. The Lions almost on the clock also. We'll talk a little NFL. And those are just some of the topics we're going to get into for this one, including a little entertainment. Our partners also include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Memorial Healthcare, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and The Wash of Owasso. I guess, guys, in our catch-up portion, we'll just start right out of the gate. Miggy did it. Bro, I know, Jared, you're going to get it going. Ted, you always throw me for a loop with those, uh, those you're kind of open, because that, that's kind of your thing. And okay. um, is it? Are you criticizing? Know, are you saying it's good? No, good. I didn't know you were going to throw a big Dickinson energy. (laughs) No, it's great. You know, we just, you come up with that on your own. So it's always a surprise. Yes. Yes. You're a, you're a natural John Keating, man. You can, you can write with the best of them. So I love it. Um, I got a a few other ones I'll throw at you before we're done too. Just a little tease for you. Uh, Miguel Cabrera. So 3000, as you guys know, it's been a big, big buildup, honestly, pretty much since I started working at uh, Valley Sports. Uh, it's been this buildup to the 500 home runs last uh, summer to the uh, 3000 hits this summer. And let me just explain this from my point of view. So Friday night I'm working. Uh, so for a lot of people who don't know, basically how TV works, and this is actually kind of mind blowing to me, Matt knows this, but so basically when, when these other teams come to town, you know, they bring kind of a skeleton crew of their guys. So, for example, when the Yankees came for the three-day series, you know, they'll bring five guys with them. Usually you need like 10, 10 plus workers to fill out a truck. So they'll bring five. And then usually it's like 
the almost like the JV crew or just the other Valley Sports like workers uh, from that region, they'll just like basically hire you on like to freelance and, and run it for them. So basically how that so ipso de facto, I ended up running, uh, you know, graphics and other sort of things for the Yankees um, on the last two days of the series. So first you had the night game uh, before the day game where Aaron Boone intentionally walked Miggy. You had the night game where Miggy goes three for three to start the game. So now he's sitting at 2,999. And everybody in this truck is kind of like, you know, like, what the hell is about to happen? Are we really about this is really about to happen? He's about to go for four. Luckily, he didn't. He struck out. Fast forward to the next day, you know, he goes over three. The entire prep leading up to that day was he's getting 3,000 during this game. You know, that was everybody's uh, basically code of contact. Like, he's going to get it during this day game versus the Yankees. Uh, we all saw how that ended, basically, where he starts off over three. Uh, eighth inning, you know, there's a free base on first, uh, runners on second and third. The Yankees decide to uh, walk him, intentionally walk him, and a lot of people were unhappy with that decision, including the Yankees' truck. I mean, think about it. There's only been 30 now with Miguel. There's been 33 uh, 3,000 hit games, which means you know a lot of those occurred before TV was even a thing. So there's maybe been you know 15 people that have worked uh, 3,000 hit. You know, if you're a producer or a director or one of those big positions, so they were bummed out when this happened. You know, the Yankees, even though it was the right baseball move, it didn't end up working. That was the ironic thing about it. Meadows ended up uh, hitting him home after that. So I'm sitting there watching this game, and I'm really hoping that he hits it because I am scheduled for that day, but I'm also scheduled for the Friday day to work. But I'm thinking, like, hey, I want to be a part of this 3,000 hits thing. If this doesn't happen today or tomorrow, I am not going to see it because I know I'm going to the Red Wings on Saturday. And if uh, whatever reason, if he doesn't do it on Friday, he's 100% going to do it on Saturday. So I leave that night kind of bummed, but whatever. I'm like, all right, he'll get it tomorrow, Friday night versus Colorado. Friday night comes along. We all are looking at the radar all day long. It's freaking raining. We know it's not going to happen. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, God damn, I really did miss out on this 3,000 hits. And when you have it, Saturday morning, very first at bat, we're all watching it. We actually cut to it live during the Red Wings game. He hits it. Uh, Little Caesars Arena explodes, and I'm just kicking myself, thinking, "God damn it, I should have that on my resume." So <laughs> I ended up missing it. So basically, I saw it the same way you guys did, which was just on the TV screen. Yeah, but that's a pretty cool story. I mean, that that story maybe for TV media nerds like us, that, right. that's cool to hear. You know, you're working with some Yankees people because, right, it is a big deal. Even though the Yankees want to win the game, and Aaron Boone intentionally walking him, yes, was the right baseball move. It's April, and you've got someone about to hit 3,000 hits. Just throw them the ball. Tell your pitcher, yeah. you know, don't groove one. Don't throw one down the middle. Try and get him out, but don't intentionally walk him. The other thing about that, too, he was 0 for 3. It's not like he was having a good day. I know he's Miguel Cabrera, but it's not like he was having a good day. So, you know, it was it was just kind of crazy. Whatever. It all, it all worked out. But, yeah, the, when the when the 3,000 hit, hit actually happened, I'm curious. I, I know, Ted, you were watching I turned it on and, you know, my, my wife is like a very casual sports fan. She's, you know, doesn't keep up on stuff. will gladly watch with me, you know, Michigan games. Um, if I want to watch a Tigers game, you know, she's, she's the one that would rather be at the game. But when I told her, I was like, we got to turn this game on. And I told her why, you know, Miguel Cabrera is about to hit 3000. She was like 3000 home runs. That's a lot. <laughs> I was like, well, that, that would be a lot of home runs, <laughs> but you know, I was like, no, it's 3000 hits. And then of course it happens and, you know, she's cheering, I'm holding my son. And it just made me think like, you know, Ted, I mean, you, this kind of, you, you know, all this kind of stuff. I grew up hearing about Al Kaline, Bill oh, yeah. Freehand story after story from my dad and, you know, all those kind of things. And 
now, you know, I mean, my son's only four months old, so he's not going to remember this, but I'll be able to tell him, you know, my dad told me about Al Kaline and Bill Freehand. For me, it was Miguel Cabrera watching the Tigers. You were with me when you when he hit his 3,000th hit. It's pretty cool. It's it's the company that he's in for me, though. I tweeted it at nauseum. I think he's not getting the due that he deserves, the respect that he deserves. And I think it's partly because he's not in Boston or New York. You know, we kind of talked about that. Only seven people have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Three players in the history of baseball have 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and a 300 batting average. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Miguel Cabrera. Like, when you when you put that in context, that is just insane. And I don't know if you guys watched the game after. Craig Monroe almost, like, couldn't put it into con- he, in, into words. He was like, I, I can't even fathom the stuff yeah. that Miguel Cabrera is doing. Obviously, he knows him very personally. But, you know, when baseball people are being like that, it's like we're, we're obviously we're, we're like um, we've been uh, spoiled being able to watch him for this long. It, he's, he's one of the greats of all time. My second favorite player. No one's ever going to surpass Barry Bonds for me, but he's my second favorite player ever. Can we just agree that he's and Ted, you get your thoughts on 3000 hits right after this. Can we just agree that he's the best Tiger ever? Not one of the best. I know Ted's probably thinking, oh, uh, Trammell or I don't even know, Lou Whitaker or Ty Cobb. He's the best Tiger ever. Not one of the best. He is the best ever. Yeah. I mean, he's for sure on uh, the real short list. I mean, you can't just – There you uh, go. You're, you're the short list. He's well, you best. can't poo-poo Ty Cobbs. Look at his numbers. If you ever want to see numbers, I mean, right. if, if you're saying the greatest Tiger, of course, obviously a different generation. But if you compare him to – it's just I'm going to say my favorite Tiger is Al Kaline, but a better player is Miguel Cabrera. There's no question about it. I mean, he's the best Tiger uh, hitter I ever saw, and maybe the best hitter. Period. I mean, there's been some good ones, you know, back in back in the day. I mean, Rod Carew, Wade Boggs, Pete Rose. But for somebody that can hit for average and for power, you know, and obviously consistency now for what 20 years. Cabrera is the man. I, you mm-hmm. can't argue that. And you you got a legit argument that he could be the greatest Tiger of all time. I mean, it, it's it's hard to argue that. I'm, I'm throwing Cobb in there just because, you know, his numbers are just staggering. I mean, he batted 400 four different times. Right. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, literally, it just doesn't happen. But I, I think one thing, too, that, I mean, you mentioned for average and for power. We posted it on our Facebook page. I think we tweeted it out, too. The Tigers' official pages put out his spray chart, which I, you know, yeah. maybe it's a, it's a baseball nerd thing, but I think these things are super interesting. I love the, like the three yeah. point chart, you know, for like Steph Curry and stuff right. like that, but his spray chart basically shows where all of his hits have been. It's the whole field. The whole field is basically colored. Whereas, you know, a lot of players are maybe like more pole hitters. A lot of their hits are either to right or left field or center field. You know, they don't necessarily use, um, you know, the opposite field. And it's just fitting that his 3,000th hit was an opposite field single. He he wasn't trying to crush it. He wasn't trying to do anything special. He knew he had to get a hit, bink, right over there. And it, I, I think, just think it was cool because we talked about, you know, a lot with Cabrera, how he's just kind of like a fun-loving guy, has fun, you know, laughing all the time. You could see the emotion when he got that hit. Like, he knew how big of a deal it was. He talked about wanting to do it in Detroit in front of the fans and how cool was it to see Comerica just packed and rocking. So, it it was definitely super cool to watch. I, I was I had some boots on the ground uh, friends that were there. Quote unquote, they said that literally like 
three-fourths of the crowd cleared out after his <laughs> <laughs> But it didn't yeah. help that they that Torkelson went deep uh, right after to go up 4-0. The game was basically was awesome. over within 30 minutes. But what a game. I mean – It was a great game, too. It was a great game. Talk, we, we could save the negative Tigers stuff for another day. I mean, obviously, we're a little bit worried about whether it's the injury bug or just a bad luck or the pitching or whatever you want to complain about about them. What a moment that was. I mean, Ted, what what did you think of the – I always love hearing your thoughts on the coverage. You always have a bit of a perspective on it. What did you think of the coverage, and would you have changed anything? Uh, no, I thought the coverage was great. I thought Shep did what he needed to do after the hit, which was be quiet, let the crowd right. noise sink in, you know, let the moment sink in. I thought uh, Bally did a great job on the coverage, to be honest with you. Um, I do have a question for you, though, since you brought it up, and it kind of was in my notes. What is the philosophy at Bally for uh, for their uh, color commentators rotating them around? I mean, why I why know. don't they settle on one guy? I, I think it should be Semo myself. People yeah. love Semo. You know, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what the. I don't hate the ensemble cast. I think it. You know, for 162 baseball games, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world getting different voices in there. They all kind of have their own. Mm-hmm. Jack Morris knows his pitching. Uh, you know. Kurt Gibson, legend, has just so much energy, loves baseball. You can feel it through the broadcast. Simo, kind of a little bit of everything, great energy, great character. Uh, you know, knows batting, obviously, as good as anyone. So, no, I think they all bring their special thing. I don't really know what the behind-the-scenes reason is. That's my my assumption is just that it's kind of like an ensemble cast. Let's bring a little bit of everything to the booth. Yeah, I'm yeah, okay my guess with it. Would be I money. just curious why. Yeah, I, my guess would be maybe they're grooming Simo to be the guy don't think he's necessarily there yet do they want to pay him the money to be mm-hmm. the you know the color guy every game mm-hmm. you know obviously you mentioned jack morris and kirk gibson just have that name personally i don't i don't think gibson's all that great doing color but i mean he's kirk gibson so he's a legend but um yeah i'd love to see simo every day but you know whatever yeah. maybe at some point he will be because he he just brings an energy to to the broadcast the cool thing was i know we tweeted out and stuff dan dickerson dan Dickerson's radio call was just perfect. Yeah. And you, you, you sent it in a text, Jared. It was spot on. I mean, because like there's a side when you're listening to TV, I agree. Or when you're watching TV, I agree. You're watching it. Let let the moment soak in. But on radio, you do kind of have to talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, people listen on radio. If you're silent, they're going to be like, what's going on? I can't hear anything. So, you know, you. I wonder if he practiced. I'm sure he had some notes, things he wanted to say you know, or something, but sometimes, you know, the, it just comes to you. I don't know, Ted, you've been doing it for 30 years. You know, do you, you kind of have your like go-to if you're about to see a game winning touchdown or is it, you just let it come to you. I mean, I've, I broadcast them some important high school games, but I never felt I had to have pre-planned, you know, right. sayings at the end of the game. I think Dickerson did a great job and I think it was a natural call at the beginning. I do think that he had a note written down on how he wanted to kind of wrap it all together because I saw him looking down and it all it all flowed really well uh but yeah I mean when you when you do those big moments you, you hope you get the call right I, I remember I had a game that was a state semifinal game right I'm not going to say the team because I don't want to embarrass myself any further but uh because we, we could state. go back and find it. Why would you that could find it? Are you be, oh, be yourself. Okay, I see, I see. But this is awful. This is this this was like my worst nightmare. So, our local team. It was the semifinals, actually. Our local team scored a game-winning basket at the buzzer, and I had the wrong player scoring the basket. 
if that happened, uh, you know, if you were, let's say you were on Bally or if you were, <laughs> you would be one fired, two, you'd be getting roasted on Twitter. So oh. just be thankful. And thank goodness this was before Twitter, and I really didn't hear too much about it at all. I, but I, you know, I always listen to my own broadcast afterwards. One time, it's it's something I've always done just to catch bad quirks I have, things I need to change in the broadcast. I don't worry so much about it now, but when when I started off, it, I really caught a lot of things, you know, that I corrected on my own because I had nobody to give me any notes, right. you know. Yeah. And I'd listen to it and go, man, I'm saying uh, like I would say my color commentator's name consistently you know say well chris what do you think about that i mean you just don't have to do that you just carry on a conversation like you do right. in everyday life and i think it comes across a lot better but you know wrapping up the whole miggy thing here as far as uh bally you guys should get high high credit for the coverage you had on that maybe now you can breathe a little bit as yep. the tigers go into the regular season and try and make a run at the championship i thought miggy the different post-game interviews and things that were done. I mean, he showed what kind of leader he is. You know, he said, hey, even after the the intentional walk the other night and the fans were all booing and can't blame the fans for booing. I mean, I mean that's what they pay for. You know, they wanted to see the 3,000th hit. But he's wait, r- waving up three fingers and zero saying, hey, we're ahead 3 nothing. Chill out a little bit. And yeah. then afterwards, he's talking to the team saying, you know what? These records are good, but he says we have a good team and we can contend for the central division. And you know what? I think the I think they definitely can contend. Yeah, if they if they get some get healthy, because Javi Baez has already already been out. We we talked about Riley Green before the season started. He was supposed to be like you know Spencer Torkelson, but I mean obviously Austin Meadows has stepped in just fine for him. You know Casey Mize has been banged up. Manning has been banged up. So like I don't know when it'll be, but if they can get back fully healthy. I think this team definitely can make some noise and at least be in the picture for the wild card. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's bare minimum. They should be in the wild card hunt, but uh, yeah, Bally, I, I was going to ask you though, Ted, I saw before, I think you replied to um, Chris Castellani mm-hmm. who's now with Barstool, but he's been on the podcast before he, he tweeted out something along the lines of like, he had heard that they were going to stop the game when he got mm. 3000 and do a little ceremony and stuff like that. And, and at the time he said he wasn't a fan of it. And you agreed with him. Mm-hmm. So do you now after watching it, do you wish they would have like let the hit happen, keep the game going, do the ceremony afterwards? Or do you think they kind of did things right? Because per- personally, I think it's a uh, you have to the, the moment is genuine. If you try and do the ceremony afterwards, the moment's passed. I mean, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Miggy 3000. But like Jose Iglesias running over there and giving him a hug, you wouldn't have gotten that the dugouts running out, you know, Dickerson's call. You wouldn't have gotten all that stuff if you didn't say, listen, it's April. Let's pause this game and give this guy a little pat on the back, not a half hour, five minutes, wave to the crowd, all that, then get the game going. So, yeah, what 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 were your thoughts after, you know, seeing it? Oh, it was perfect. I mean, yeah. when I responded to him and tweeted, uh, I was thinking, you know, they'd stop the game. They'd bring a podium out. You know, they'd have some dignitaries and stuff like that. That's what I was against. What they did, completely kosher. You know, it was was exactly how they needed to do it. You know, it brought his mom and family out. And it wasn't overbearing. It wasn't that long, you know, and it was all natural. So 100%, that that was the way to do it. I I just got to throw this out there. Uh, No, it's awesome. 100%. Three to five minutes. I think that was like what the cutoff time was for that. That's exactly the amount of time you need. Five minutes. Get him, get him, get the get the teammates out there. 
get the family out there, then get them out, get, get on with the game, do the bigger ceremony afterward. Right. Uh, I just got through it. So since I was like kind of, you know, editing all this 3000 hit stuff, I had a chance to basically watch all the 3000 hits that have like happened over the course of history. My favorite one. <laughs> Let me know if you guys remember this. Craig Vigio hits a liner to right field, running around second base, gets gummed out at second, gets up like cheering. His like son was the bat boy, I guess, or something. Son comes sprinting out of the uh, dugout, like jumps into his arms at second base. Mad- just a magical, magical moment. <laughs> So I just felt the need. If you haven't seen that, look it up on YouTube. It, it's electric. I feel like I remember that. I thought you were going to say you watch all of Miggy's hits. But yeah, it'd be cool to go back and watch all the the 3,000 hits that happened. Like you said, one's on TV because a lot of them obviously weren't even on TV or anything. So it's a big deal. and yeah. it, it is kind of funny. You know, now now we've moved on. Yeah, some Tigers, legendary Tigers ones are, too, like, like Jeter hitting a home run. You know, the guys that get 3,000 and hit a home run, those are the classic oh, ones, yeah. I think. Yeah. Jeter's off of David Price. I mean, that that in itself is yeah. classic. Legendary yeah. pitcher. Well, all we can say is go Tigers, and uh, it's going to be a fun season, I think. I'm looking forward to going down there. Jared, I, I think I think we're all set for June 10th. Have you heard anything different? We should, yeah, that's as far as I know is June 10th. It's funny because I didn't even know about this until I stumbled into – I think I asked about it. And like, oh, yeah, you don't have that taken off. It's like I didn't hear anything about taking June 10th off. But luckily, I guess I, I do. So, yes, yeah. we're, we're locked in to finally see a game. Hey, we'll see a good game, too, with uh, the Blue Jays in town. I mean, Guerrero and, and some of their other players, they, they have some studs on that team. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, before we move on into other sports topic, I want to just throw this out there. Uh, I want to send condolences out to Mr. Joe Janka. He's the dad of Joe Jr. and the family and our Spartan expert joey janka is his grandson uh our thoughts and prayers go out to the family and you know i mr janka he he's he's a guy that just used to crack me up i'll share a quick little story with you and anybody that knows he might relate to this um his two of his kids went to school with your dad jared and and my and my brother george i think he knew who i was but he never really knew my first name so he'd say, hey, Fatel, how are the how are the Cavaliers going to be in football this year, you know? And he never called me my first name. He just said, Fatel, hey, hey, Fatel. And I, I played along with him. I'd say, well, Janka, they should be pretty good, you know? And he was a good old dude, went to our church, and, uh, you know, he raised a good family, him and his wife. So our, our thoughts and prayers go out to them for sure. Yeah, very strong. Yeah, like I said, great family, very strong family tree. He'll be messed. I mean, that family's chrono through and through, and he was the root of it. So, absolutely. All right. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes and we'll get into a few of the other big sports topics out there. But take a close listen to this. Memorial Healthcare has served the community for over a century and is committed to being your healthcare partner. The main campus is located in Owasso at 826 West King Street, with additional locations in seven counties throughout Mid Michigan. Services at Memorial Healthcare are provided by people who truly care about their patients, who take pride in making a difference in the life and health of the patients they serve through all phases of life. With a medical staff of over 200 and nearly 1,500 employees, Memorial Healthcare is proudly recognized as the largest employer in Shiawassee County. Whether it's life-saving emergency room care, bringing a baby into the world, or an annual physical, See what Memorial Healthcare has to offer at memorialhealthcare.org or call 989-720-CARE. That's 989-720-2273. 
Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. So, guys, I, I wanted to ask you, I, I tweeted it out, um, and, you know, retweeted it from our three-point pod page. I, I was watching Get Up this morning, and J.J. Redick has been making a, a pretty big name for himself. He's calling games now. He's got podcasts. He's all over every ESPN show now talking about, you know, basketball, stuff, especially during the playoffs. And he made a point about the Nets, who just got bounced. They got swept by the Celtics. And he was making a point that, Today's NBA, how it's kind of moving towards um, guys aren't necessarily emphasizing the regular season. You know, these veterans are kind of this whole load management thing. And you're signing a bunch of veterans with the idea of like, we'll be cool come playoffs. As long as everyone's healthy, we all know how to play during the playoffs. We'll be good. Well, last year, we know the Lakers kind of had that same mindset, got swept. Well, they didn't get swept. They basically got swept by the Suns. This year, the Lakers did the same thing, just signed a bunch of veterans, pieced together a team, didn't even make the playoffs. The Nets kind of had a huge mess. You know, Durant, Kyrie was in and out. They had Harden. They traded Harden. They had some injuries. Again, just another mess. And they just got swept out of the first round. So his whole point was piecing together NBA teams doesn't always work. You need to build a team, kind of like Boston has done. Tatum was drafted by them, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, all drafted by the Celtics, kind of what the Warriors have done by drafting guys. And all it started making making me think of was the Pistons. You know, Cade Cunningham, Bay, Diallo, Stewart, these dudes that they all drafted. Yeah, not not necessarily stars. I think Cade will be. But if they compare those guys, they've got a top pick this year. If they get a good draft pick, the Pistons could have something going similar to what the Celtics, you know, you have to hope that a couple of these guys do turn into stars, but you know, just hearing, hearing JJ talk about that. I was just kind of like, Hmm, it was making me think like, it's kind of what the Pistons are building. Yeah. Maybe two or three years away, but you know, it, well, I was just curious what you guys thought about that. I mean, the Pistons, if they hit in this draft, I think they've, they very well could be there making a run to the playoffs next year anyway. 100%. I think that's why it was a great call that then we didn't even hear anything about, you know, Coach Casey being on the hot seat or anything like that. I Because I think, you know, maybe he's not the best coach in the entire world, but he's great at building a culture. Young guys love him. Uh, and I, I agree. It's, it seems like they're really building a culture. It's weird that you say that when they won like five games this last year, but it was, I think we laughed about it when the season wrapped up. It's like the most like uh, entertaining, like enjoyable, like, you know, low level season that a team can have because we saw a lot of the flashes of what they can build. It. I mean, really, what, reasons number one, two, two, and three, that we have a great future is Kate Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Do whatever we can to to keep building him, keep making him better, bring in guys that are going to make him better. You know, maybe we get a veteran point guard to come in and, and spell him, like, as a backup or something, to learn some tricks. Our future is entirely on the right arm of Kate Cunningham. So we need to keep building for him. And like you said, I mean, hit on this draft, and I really do think that there's something to be said about you know, I mean, you look at the Celtics, they have basically a one-two punch in Tatum and uh, Brown. We have yeah. Cade, you know, we need another. I mean, it's not like those guys grow on trees, but, yeah. I mean, drafting potentially the number one pick this year, we have the highest odds of anyone else. I mean, let's see what we can do. If we land that number one pick, man, I mean, we're going to be good in a hurry. 
How do the Pistons have the highest odds when they didn't finish with the worst record? How's that work? Bottom three all have 14% chance. I ah, mean, okay. Thanks for that clarification. And I agree with both of you. I mean, I think they have a great young core. I think Casey can coach them up. And I think the other thing, along with maybe if they did sign a backup guard that can spell him and, and give good minutes, I think they need one good young free agent signing. You know, yeah. some somebody that they can just bring in that's a star that can work alongside him, I think would really be helpful. Kind of kind of like in 2004, you know, they had mm-hmm. they had the team and then Rashid obviously yep. put them over the top. So right, that that's kind of what you need to do. Um, but yeah, it was I was it was just had me thinking about the Pistons, but the playoffs in general. I mean, the Nets just got bounced. Jared Sons with with CP3, you know, with mm-hmm. Devin Booker being hurt, they're they're looking like they might be in trouble. Um, the Bucks, you know, I, I think the Bucks will be fine, but you know, they're a little banged up with Middleton being out. The Heat, I saw Jimmy Butler. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry aren't playing, so it's just Luka Doncic was banged up, but he's back. Um, the injuries right now in the playoffs are just crazy. And it kind of takes away a little bit because we talked about the beginning. We wanted to see healthy Warriors versus healthy Suns. Mm-hmm. And we're already at the risk of not seeing that because Devin Booker's hurt. So, you know, but the Warriors right now to me and the Bucks because they're the, the defending champs, but the Warriors healthy with Jordan Poole going off like he is, Draymond just running the show. The Warriors look like they're just – Pencil them into the NBA Finals right now. Yeah, they're rolling. Uh, it's, I mean, it's bullshit. This Chris Ball man, I, it's another year, another freaking unlucky bounce for this goddamn guy. <laughs> Give me one freaking legit chance at a title with this guy, and he will win it. That's all I ask for. Uh, he's gone. Uh, Devin Booker's out. They, they look like they're in serious trouble. Yeah. Uh, I mean, tonight's going to be a bit, people listening to this tomorrow. You'll have a better guess gauge on, uh, as to where their season's heading after tonight. But man, yeah. two two game five against New Orleans. New Orleans is playing inspired. Crowds getting after it uh, on those home games. Brendan Ingram has taken a step forward. I mean, they are in deep shit. And yeah. you know, it, get through this series. Get Booker back. It seems like everybody that you know, Robert Williams, Time Lord for the Celtics, came back like two weeks before he was expected to. I think if they just get through this series, I bet you Devin Booker will be back by game three in next series, and they'll be fine. But, man, they just got to find a way to win this these next two games because Pelicans are looking scary right now. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, you know my routine, you, I, I record the night games, the late games, and I'm up in the morning on my computer, and I got it in the background checking out those games. It's it's a great setup to what the, what the NBA has going right now with the playoffs. It's just awesome. Yeah, fact, I mean, fact, it's on my TV right now. I was gonna say the the first round is great because there's three three games every night. It's mm-hmm. just so much fun to watch. But you know, so are you guys like are you guys only locked into like the star teams or you know the the series that are like you know Memphis and Minnesota, you know series like that that's actually really good. We did right. I did one of their games a couple nights ago. Great series, but you know, do you think you have to be an NBA junkie to be like yeah. watching those? So there's like some series that I'm like, like the Bucks versus the Bulls. You talk about series that even if it was like game seven, I'm not sure if I would still put my eyes on right. it. I couldn't give two shits about that series. Uh, Timberwolves and uh, that's, that's a good series. I just think just anytime you have an upset on the horizon and you know, I, I kind of, I'm a hypocrite by saying that for the Bucks versus Bulls series, but they, that was never even close. Yeah. Whereas, you know, this Timberwolves series, it's like legitimately looking like they have a chance to upset the Grizzlies. So yeah. I haven't been paying attention. It hasn't been the prettiest series. A lot of fouls and not the prettiest of basketball, but 
I'm still paying attention. I mean, it's it's annoying to me because I actually just had to splurge and buy YouTube TV to be able to watch these games. I was holding off as long as I could. For whatever reason, I only have access to ESPN. So I was able to watch the ABC games, but then anytime there's a TNT game, I never could watch it. So finally there was a game that I wanted to watch. I think it was Suns Pelicans, actually. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to freaking buy this. So $60 just went down the drain. So best believe I'm going to be watching every one of these damn games to get my money's <laughs> worth. So. Get your money's worth. Yeah, yeah. and I, it, we talk about the non-marquee matchups, you know, but I, I think at this stage when you get to the playoffs, I, those are kind of fun games to watch because yeah. – I'm not a regular NBA junkie during the regular season, so I'm seeing some of these teams and go, oh, that guy, he plays for them now, you know? Yeah. And, and you get some of the backstory, and I kind of enjoy those those games. Yeah. Yeah, and th- those teams, I mean, like the Pelicans playing inspired. Yeah, right. They're in the playoffs, so they're trying to make a name for themselves. So, yeah. The Zion's playoffs, not he... even playing, is he? No. Maybe, That's what... uh, I'll throw this out maybe just as a tie-up of the NBA section. So I don't know if you guys saw, but Bill Simmons and uh, Ryan Rosillo on their podcast, they actually threw yeah. out a potential trade yeah. for Zion Williamson. They had Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, and our first-round pick this year for Zion. I'll just – Ted, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think of that trade? Are you doing it or no? Uh, no way. No way. I don't I don't think he'll last. I just, th- I just think he'll always be banged up and won't stay healthy. Skill-wise, if he was, if he was always healthy – I may think the other way around, but I just, there's no way I would give up that much. Yeah. And I I get that because when you already know the health issues, that's what makes it, you're very cautious about it. Mm -hmm. My only thing is any draft pick is you have no idea what's going to happen. Even, you know, Zion was supposed to be a can't miss. And, you know, obviously that hasn't quite worked out that well, you know, so you have no idea about these draft picks. When Zion's healthy, he's one of the best players in the league. So to me, if that was actually a trade, you make it and you take the risk and you hope that he's healthy because if you put him next to Cade, I think that would be a playoff team immediately. But it would be a big risk. It would be mm-hmm. a huge risk because the guy just can't stay healthy. I mean, he goes down to New Orleans and next thing you know, he's 360 pounds. So right. what's he going to do when he's got Detroit Coney's and Detroit pizza to eat <laughs> all the time? But to me, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. Yeah, I don't hate that trade either. I mean, I like Sadiq, Killian. I haven't totally sold the stock on him. I still think he could be a good player. Um, This first round, man, I mean, the only way I would say no is if if it does end up being a number one. If it's like number four, 100%. If it's number two, I probably would maybe not make the trade. But three or four, I'm dealing it. And, you know, like I said, almost, you know, at the end of the day, it's an entertainment game. And for better or worse, that would be entertaining as hell. It'd either be the like greatest trade ever for the Pistons or it would blow up and we'd at least have that to watch. So yeah. I, I wouldn't hate it either way. Yeah, but we went through the whole thing, though, with Blake Griffin, too. You know, That's similar. not the same thing whatsoever, though. That's, That's similar. That a, like, star player. He was older, obviously, but a star player. That was a trade at the time everybody was like, this is literally just to put a few butts in the seats. It made no Pairing Zion with Cade Cunningham, that's like you got something to build with right there. Right. Well, healthy. The Griffin thing was more of just a publicity stunt. That a was healthy Zion, though. That's the question right there. I mean, yeah. that I'm sticking with that. But you know, I understand your your guys' point of view as well. I mean, he's a hell of a player when he is healthy. It's just he's so young and is already seems to be injury prone. That's I think you would concern. you would be sold on it with one Cade the uh, uh, Zion alley one alley oop <laughs> and you're you would forget about it. Well, well, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen, and I'll change my tune. I've been known little, to do that before. Little Caesars Arena would be rocking the first time Zion threw down a windmill dunk. 
But we're talking we're talking about the draft, and obviously this week again we're recording Tuesday night. In two nights, mm-hmm. we're gonna find out who the Lions, the next great Detroit Lion top ten pick, is gonna be. And I feel like we've talked about it before. I think Jared, you're always locked into the, all these 700 mock drafts that happen all the time. I'll I'll peek at them, you know, kind of see what's going on. But at this point, it's just so played out. I just want the draft to happen and see who they pick. But, you know, I I don't know about you guys. I I feel like I've talked about it on here before. Obviously, the big talk is are they going to take the D end out of Oregon? Are they going to take Aiden Hutchinson if he's available? I just, I don't, maybe I still have like, uh, maybe like the whole Charles Rogers situation is still like has me like hung over or something. But I don't like Michigan or Michigan State players getting drafted by the Lions. One, because I don't want them to waste their career with the Lions. But two, I don't like the expectations it puts on the player because you know that fan base, so this one, Michigan, is going to think this is a Heisman Trophy candidate. We just saw him beat Ohio State. This is going to be the next J.J. Watt. Michigan State players or Michigan State fans who are Lions fans may be excited, but the second that Hutchinson had like a bad game, zero sacks, zero tackles, looked owned it would be oh just another washed up michigan i told you this michigan player didn't mean anything you know he's terrible i just think it puts like it puts bad expectations both ways on this player get out of michigan go play anywhere else and have a better career and get away from michigan fans get away from michigan state fans i just don't like I don't, I don't like the players staying around this these fan bases. Maybe, the root, the maybe that's a stupid this, way to think. But. No, I think the root of this is you view this as a lose-lose, which is if he's a good player, the Michigan State fans just jump on the, oh, he's an awesome lion. You know, I love this guy. And you want him to be a Michigan guy only. You don't want Michigan State fans to share in that success. And then if he sucks, you're getting shit on because he sucks and he's from Michigan. Yeah, uh, which I can I can respect that. I see that's exactly what would happen. But I want Hutchinson. Yeah. If he's there at number two, I want him. If he's not there at number two, I want the Lions to trade out, get a few more picks. I'm not loving anyone at the top of this draft. I feel like it's a loaded draft for edge rushers. So let's trade back a little bit, get a few extra picks, uh, and let's do it that way. I, there's no one I absolutely love. Hutchinson's the only one, and even him, I'm, you know, I, I think he'd be perfect for the Dan Campbell, you know, culture we're trying to build here. I mean, he he embodies everything Dan Campbell loves. So that's why I'm like, let's bring this guy in and let's see what happens. But I, yeah. I wouldn't be heartbroken if we didn't draft him. Ideally, like I said, I, we trade out and maybe get a few more picks in the later first round or second round. You know, because yeah, the big thing before you jump in, Ted, I was just going to say the big thing with Hutchinson is going to be has he already peaked? I mean, that's kind of true with any college player, but I've seen a lot of the mock drafts say they wonder how much better <laughs> will Hutchinson get. Is he going to make that leap to be J.J. Watt? Or is he just kind of, you know, the player that he is? You know, I think that's the big question. He seems yeah. to be like the safest player in the draft from what I've been hearing. And let me just Yeah, you know, you know he's going to be solid. Yeah. But right, is he going to be J.J. Watt? I keep saying right. it, but right. He, the thing that cracks me about the Mac, mock draft people, this is a legit conversation I had. This, Ted, you, this will blow your mind. This is what kids <laughs> are like nowadays. So the other day I'm at work, like all day, busy-ass work, double shift. I got called by my buddy. Uh, he's actually been on this pod before, uh, Mr. Brackets. Uh, he oh. called me like, five different times throughout the day. He called me five different times throughout the day. I'm like, dude, what's going on with this guy? Finally, I get out of work. I called him. He's like, yeah, uh, I was just calling uh, the the draft this year, you know, weak draft. Uh, you know, I've been looking at the mock drafts. People are so obsessed with the mock drafts nowadays. It's like turned me off the draft. 
I used to I, I love opening night draft. I watch it every year. I don't care what I'm doing. But man, something about the mock drafts and the fact that this draft doesn't have any star power, I, I couldn't have gave two shits less about this, this year. Yeah. That is that has seemed to be the the way it is. I agree with you. The the actual first night of the draft, it's a it's an NFL party, man. It's it's awesome the way that it's presented. Uh, it, it's very cool, and it's going to be very cool when it comes down to Detroit. To to go back for a second, I agree with you. If Hutchinson's available, number two, you got to take him. Got got to take him. If he's if he's taken by Jacksonville, okay, then you restructure. I'm not sold on the guy from Oregon, but I I think maybe an edge rusher that there's one from Georgia that's pretty good. You stay away from cornerbacks. You stay away from the safety. Come on, you need you need help at edge rusher. Rusher, if you're going to go really balls out, get a top wide receiver. You know somewhere in there. You, I don't care if it's first round. If it's if he's going to be good enough, but stay away away from those other positions. It never pans out in, in with that, your first choice. Yeah, that that's the way I want to go. I want a receiver, and if yeah. you have to, I, I don't know. We we have the the feelings of Matt Millen drafting receiver after receiver after receiver, but this I think this Lions team yes edge edge rusher, I think they're missing a big play receiver. This offense has a lot of potential. If the offensive line can stay healthy, they have running backs, they have Hawkinson, they have St. Brown as you know their little Tyreek Hill type of receiver. They need a receiver to take them over the top, like Jamar Chase did for the Bengals last year, yeah. and. There's plenty of receivers in this draft. So, right, do you want to take them at two? You know, maybe not. But, you know, some people say you take the player you want when when you're picking, whether it's at two, whether it's at ten, you know, wherever. So, but I'm with you, Jared. I, if you could trade back to, you know, whatever, five, six, seven, and maybe add another pick or two, you know, that'd be big. The big thing is the Lions also have, what, number 32 and 34. Yep. So, you know, they, they could really – those first few picks, they could really turn this team into – something to watch not necessarily a playoff team but you if know they, if they move that second draft choice you know what realistically could they get if they if they move back could they get two other first round draft choices ahead of I mean, 32 if there was more who knows if top, yeah but no because there's no like quarterbacks that's what mm-hmm. the majority of teams that trade up is to draft a quarterback and, right so the only thing a market this year Right. The only thing I was going to say is say, say Jacksonville takes the, the D end out of Oregon and some team just wants Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, they just think this kid is going to be the franchise changer. Then yeah, ask them for, you know, your next two first round picks, you know, maybe that would be it. But right. Usually it's, you know, when it's Trevor Lawrence up there or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ted, I'm surprised you, I mean, when do you think they're going to really fill the hole of backup quarterback? I mean, are they doing that third <laughs> round or fourth round or when are they going to get that done? Yeah. Well, they already, they already signed two Jared Fattels to their backup quarterback position. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to even get into that tonight, Jared. We'll just move on from that topic. But. I knew it. I figured it was in your notes somewhere. You know, they got to they gotta draft one of those guys, really fill out the roster. Would it break my heart if they at thirty four they take one of those quarterbacks? What in the world, thirty four? What? No, it was, yeah, it, back up. Are you saying just a quarterback of the future? Just basically. a quarterback of the future. Yeah, one of the quarterbacks, one of the top ones. You guys love any of the quarterbacks? Maybe the last. Do you guys love any of the quarterbacks in this draft? I really don't. They're hyping up the guy from Liberty. What's his name? Willis. Malik, Will, Malik Willis is his potential, but I, right. I wouldn't draft him number two. No. And then uh, you know, like Kenny Pickett. I don't think you take quarterback, honestly. Right. Yeah. Kenny Pickett's the one that they're saying is just like looks like he's going to be a your solid ten year NFL quarterback, but it's like so. Do you really want to draft him in the first round? Then 
Yeah, right. someone I think it was Keyshawn Johnson made a huge. He went out on like a soliloquy saying, "Jared Goff is a good quarterback. He started in a Super Bowl. Surround him with talent, oh and not saying that he will win you a Super Bowl, but surround him with talent, and he's a good quarterback." I'm not sold on it, but I'm just saying I've called him serviceable over and over. If you give him like decent talent and protection from the offensive line, he might be all right. You know, so that's what I mean. Get him a receiver. If Hawkinson's healthy, if St. Brown can improve on what he did last year, I really think the offense could do something. So that give give me a receiver. I want if Jamison Williams, the receiver out of Alabama, if you know he tore his ACL in the title game. If if that if there wasn't that question, we were just talking about Zion and his injury questions. He would be, I would say, take him at two, no question. Mm-hmm. Take him at number two because he was torching Georgia and the whole SEC last year. But he tore his ACL, so he just wonder how that's going to be. Or take what any if, of the receivers out of Ohio State. We saw what they can do. So. Yeah, for sure. What about the talk about the the dude from uh, San Francisco, maybe making a deal? Debo. Yeah. You like Man. him? Don't like him? I love him. I mean, I don't really know what the deal is. I don't. This team is not win now in any sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And Debo, I mean, he's got a lot of carries at running back, a lot of reps at wide out. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, keep getting better. I think he's basically as good as he's going to be. He's got a few prime years. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the right trade. I don't. Yeah. If we can get it, like, but then again, like some of these, like, there's the Tyreek Hill trade where it was like five first rounders, but then there's like these some of these other trades. It's like Von Miller for a seventh round pick. It's like. Amazing. I don't know what the trade market is for Debo, but if it's you know one pick for this guy, oh, I'd do it. But if it's sure. five picks, no, I would let him walk. Yeah, and back back to golf too. I mean, he is serviceable. I mean, mm-hmm. teams have won the Super Bowl before with a serviceable quarterback as long as he has weapons around him, including an offensive line, maybe some sort of running attack, and wide receivers. I mean, he's he's and. Remember, there was a big problems with the offensive coordinator last year, and yeah. you know there was all that controversy. And once he started running the offense that Campbell was calling, he played pretty well down the stretch. Yep. Hey, just we got our backup quarterback position filled with Jared Goff. <laughs> That's what I'll say. So I guess you, I guess you don't have to worry about that. So there <laughs> That's you go. Right. Baker Mayfield, where are you? We need you in town. I, I wouldn't be totally against that, but yeah, that's not not the right time to go with Baker. No, that's but. a whole other topic. So yeah, uh, we are, we talked about it. So we locked in. I mean, Ted, you remember the days of, you know, the draft used to, used to only be like two days, right? But now, you know, they stretch it out to like seven days. It seems like. But it, do do you watch like first and second round, and then you know just kind of keep up on Twitter on the rest, or kind of how do you guys nope, attack much, the NBA, yep. NFL draft? First round, I'll probably watch the first, you know, 10 picks, 10 picks, 10, 15 picks. Then, you know, I'll fall asleep or something. Usually I fall asleep around 11 o'clock, middle of the draft. And then from there, I just, the rest is off of Twitter. Yeah. The draft, in my opinion, it's a one day event. The rest of it, you know, it just comes through like MLB style on the ticker. Uh, So, no, watch day number one. That's it. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anything else in NFL news we want to get into? I mean, we know the Lions are on the upswing, right? Gonna Maybe. gonna make some moves, make the if right anything, draft choices. You know, Hard Knocks is gonna be fun, right? I know it's we're gonna, gonna do blast. a little entertainment. Hard Knocks is gonna be fun. Absolutely, looking forward to that. Hey, before we get into uh, some entertainment, let me look at my notes. Oh, little little props to us here. A uh, couple of uh, sort of viral videos we've had recently. The one where you drop uh, Giannis into the 1960s, that had almost 20,000 views. And then the real big one was our debate about Jerry West. And uh, that ended up with almost 40,000 views, which yeah. 
you know, we might as well pat ourselves on the back a little bit for whatever reason, you know, it, it caught a little fire. Well, yeah, that was the night that we recorded last week. You know, I hopped on Twitter and saw that uh, Ramona Shelburne had written an article where Jerry West was demanding an apology. And I just, it made me think, and I saw like a bunch of people started tweeting, quote tweeting, all that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Ted went off basically saying the same thing. Yeah. So I quick ran, you know, to, you know, we got this recording on, on StreamYard here. So I just clipped something off, started tweeting it out, started tweeting it, basically spamming the tweets. Next thing I know, our, our mentions were blowing up over 40,000 views, basically. So yeah, they, they like seeing, I, I was just kind of sitting back like this. They, they like seeing Ted and Jared argue about Jerry West. It's scary to think My Ugly Mug's been viewed by 40,000 people. So. <laughs> well, look, at, look at this one. Ignore it. it's, 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 it's in one ear, out the other. So Yeah. I still want to borrow the book, though. Uh, That's the thing, though. That, like, it, I was watching, and, and some of the replies to it, like it's not just you know nonsense that you guys were spouting. It was mm-hmm. actually like a, a solid two minute back and forth debate. Jared brings out the book. Yeah, you know there was content. There, there was meat meat to that argument. Hard to, it's hard to argue with somebody who's read the book. That's what I've learned. You know I know all the ins and out of the Jerry West story. So Ted, maybe you grew up during that time. But yeah, I was going to say it's hard to argue the fact that I lived it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, uh, so what do you guys need to read about it as for what? your request uh to buy the book uh or to read the book uh i'm gonna give you the same answer you gave me when i asked for your hbo account uh you're gonna get it yourself son <laughs> all right i'll go what, to the library <laughs> what's your guys's final you know say on that though jerry was demanding an apology do you think it's a little it's, bs or what yeah, it's still a little over i mean dude it's like who him doing that it had a reverse effect now everybody's watching this show. Now everybody's, you know, seeing what the hell this whole Jerry West character is about. If they would have just laughed it off and it's like, it's basically just not even make a mention of it, it of the total mockery of it, no one would have gave a shit. No one was watching that. But but here, I guess here's my problem. Do you guys really think that people were watching that show and like basically taking it verbatim like this is what happened? I, I never viewed it that way, but I think... I'm maybe I'm maybe making an assumption, thinking that people were smart enough to realize that it was not true at all. I, I guess maybe that's where the disconnect. Well, here, here's where I would take it. I mean, they, they weren't talking about you, but they were talking about Jerry West, and they made him look like a complete buffoon. I mean, it, I get it. The show, it the show's fine. You know, I'm still enjoying it. I'm still watching episode, every episode. But if I was Jerry West, and I have fairly thick skin. I'd have been a little pissed off about it. I mean, come on. Like I said, they made him look, it, it was completely a butcher job on him. I don't want to go into another two minute <laughs> debate here, but I'm just saying, I, I don't blame the guy for being upset about it. They made what him look like an idiot. Man? You guys are wimps. <laughs> I'm just speaking for Jerry. <laughs> Who are the real snowflakes here? Hey, hey by the are way, you? we're going to have a little entertainment, but this kind of segues into it a little bit. The last episode that I watched, um, Magic was uh, trying to finalize a shoe contract, you know, and he's he's debating between uh, Adidas and Converse. And then all of a sudden they show this this young, you know, Phil Knight approaching him with Nike. And I forget what the exact stat was. He ended up signing with Converse, of course. But uh, if he would have signed the deal with Nike at that time, which was going to be a percentage of stock, and it was like 18 cents a, a, a stock at that time. He would have made, I, I can't remember if it was millions like or billions. Yeah, he's like Zuckerberg now if he would have made the deal. Yeah, yeah. 
but he because signed that, with Converse. Because he would have got in before Jordan, right? So yeah, yeah, nineteen eighty. So yeah, they would have had he would have had the name right on the shoe. It was going to be the magic shoe, you know. I mean, he missed out on that one big time. Probably one of the few business decisions that he screwed up on because he's done pretty well for himself. I will say though, the Converse choose your weapon with uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I mean, that's timeless. Oh yeah, I don't know if you can put a price on it. I mean, maybe maybe billions of dollars would make him change his mind, but that was an awesome ad campaign. Oh, it Thank definitely was, and and you know, Converse in the day, those 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 were great shoes, great basketball shoes. Now, I, I wanted to bring this into the conversation too, because this could have a, a generational debate, if you will. I remember, okay, when I was young and in high school, the shoe to wear was the the uh, the Chuck. Well, Taylor. when I was young, it was Chuck Taylors. They were the, they were the Converse. Chuck Taylors were the shoe, and a little bit later. You know, it, it became Adidas. Adidas was really number one. You know, we had the debate a couple of weeks ago about uh, Adidas now is old man shoes and you got to have Nikes. I understand that, but I didn't realize Nike's way ahead in the sneaker game by far on sales. But you know who number two is? Adidas. Yeah. I think Adidas for me. So like this, this is definitely a generational thing. Through the 90s is when, you know, the sneaker game really took off because mm-hmm. Jordan Jordan did it really you know Jordan made it cool for these basketball players baseball players football players all to have their signature shoes so obviously and at the time Jordan at first he didn't have Jordan brand it was just Nike mm-hmm. and then obviously now he has his own brand which is basically like a sister company of Nike but uh no like Reebok was even big Allen Iverson was with Reebok uh, Shaq was with Reebok first of all, or at first, and then Kobe was with Adidas and, you know, a bunch of other guys. So, you know, obviously, so I started wearing Adidas when, when Kobe was with Adidas, but no, it was, it, it was all of them because even some guys were still with Converse. Mm-hmm. Um, FUBU was a big one. Uh, Fila was a big one. Grant Hill, Grant Hill, when he came to the yeah. Pistons with, was with Fila. So, um, it was just, people were trying to grab onto anything and, you know, Nike was obviously the king. But it was almost it, it was it got to a point where like it was everyone wore Nike, so like you would go wear Adidas, you would go wear Reebok, especially if it was Allen Iverson or something like that. And now, yeah, I think it's gone back to obviously Jordan or Nike is the king. But no, back in the nineties, it, w- it was cool to be wearing some of those other ones for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious because you know, like I said, the generation thing, Chuck Taylor's Converse canvas shoes. They were the go-to shoe when I played. What about when you two? I don't know how you guys. Is, I, I don't know how your guys' ankles made it through playing I ball know. in Chuck Taylor's. It's crazy. It really is. <laughs> it is. But they, they did have good good grip at the bottom. Because I, I wore, I rolled my ankles. I think three or four times every basketball season, and I had like legitimate basketball shoes on, not these like paper sack hammity sack shoes. It's crazy. <laughs> It's funny. I remember when I was a kid, I had a pair of Converse. Uh, Dwayne Waits. It's like his first signature shoe. He was Converse. I had a pair of those. Those were those were awesome. They had like some like netting in them that was like made of like metal or something along those lines with a little Converse stars. Awesome. Uh, but no, I think that was like their last ditch effort to try to save their basketball brand. He left. Yeah. Uh, he just almost had a moment there with D Rose. As soon as that was taken off, he his career ended basically. Um, no, it's Nike is king. I mean, I mean, shoes are in a bad place right now. I mean, Michael Jordan's shoes sell more than LeBron James's shoes ever had, and and LeBron's been putting out shoes, you know, ever since he's been in the league. 
LeBron's best shoes were his first few years. Now it's they're horrible. It's and it's like and I've said this before on this pod. Going to your local finish line footlocker and have fun, Ted, finding a pair of black and white shoes. It's mm. all like Easter colored or mm. like Lamelo Ball, Puma, bright red, bright yellow. It's like what are these? Who wears these? It's it's just horrible. Yeah. That's I wonder the if you thing can now even... too. When you, when you go into those stores too, it's all the throwback shoes, like from yeah, the '90s and stuff like that. So it's... the answers are like right. the number one shoe right now. It feels like. Yeah. yeah can you even cool get a Converse All Star anymore? The the leather ones, the Converse yeah, All Star. Yeah, no, yeah. not for hoop shoes. It's no. you know, it's like skateboarders. Mm. That's what your generation left. The your cool shoes turned into skateboarder shoes. Oh man, uh, it's time passed. There you go. All right. Well, that takes care of the shoe discussion. We'll have a little tettertainment tonight to wrap this up right after this. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Looking to buy items online? Go to crauctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. crauctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to crauctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out crauctions.com today. Memorial Healthcare is proud and excited to open their new $40 million-plus neurology, orthopedic, and community wellness center, now called the NOW Building. The 15,000-square-foot facility features the highest quality, most sensitive 3T MRI available on today's market. The three-story building provides area residents a medically-based wellness center featuring nutritional, counseling, and group fitness classes, among other offerings. Memorial Healthcare's new wellness center includes locker rooms, private showers, steam rooms, sauna, a lap pool, and more, including a raised track for walking and running with views of the entire Memorial campus and surrounding area. Memorial Healthcare strives to bring healthcare and wellness together, servicing patients' needs from diagnosis to treatment to rehab and beyond. For more details, go online at memorialhealthcare.org or call 989-720-CARE. That's 989-720-2273. All right, guys, so a little tatertainment tonight. We'll call this mattertainment tonight. All right. (laughs) But I'm sure you guys got something, too, to add to it, but... So we, we were talking the last, I don't know, handful of times. I feel like I'm, I'm, my contribution to Tedertainment tonight has a theme. Pam and Tommy. Mm-hmm. I was watching the the Playboy show about, you know, it's like the secrets of Playboy, um, which I, I do highly recommend. Super interesting. Oh, yeah. The next one that I'm watching is this one. It's definitely a generational thing, and it's actually super interesting. Uh, it's about Girls Gone Wild. And it's it's the back it's the background of that and kind of like you know the backstory and what has happened um, to the guy Joe Francis, who is the genius behind Girls Gone Wild. And the thing is, right, you guys laugh because it is like it's Girls Gone Wild. What are you talking about? 
put the like put aside what Girls Gone Wild actually is, and it is insanely interesting to think about the culture back then, how he built this thing into just a phenomenon. And this, Ted, you remember what it was like back then? Obviously, Jared, you were not around or very young because it did bleed into like you know 2008, 2009. So you know, I know you don't really remember the heyday of Girls Gone Wild, but like it was just such a different time back then. There wasn't the internet really where you can get everything for free. So, you know, people recording stuff and spring break was like such this new kind of big thing. And, you know, the, the business mind behind what he did, it's crazy. A little backstory. This isn't a spoiler. It's on Hulu. It was on TNT. So if you wanted to watch it, um, I think it's like a series called rich and shameless. And then they, they talk about different things. So you could find it on T- TNT or Hulu or, you know, wherever you get your TV. But what he did, this dude, he worked for a, a clip show. He worked for some clip show back in like the late 80s where they would just, just take, you know, security footage from stores, post it on, you know, wherever channel it was on. And that was the TV show, you know, like all these hundreds of TV shows that are out there now. But what they wouldn't show was if things were too violent. So like if there was like death or, you know, anything that was too violent. Well, he had the business mind to say, I'm going to take all these clips, put them together, and I'm going to sell it. It was called Band for Television. <laughs> and he started selling these DVDs of all these crazy, violent, and, you know, whatever, not safe for TV clips. So he had this business mind. And then he started thinking, like, uh, Spring Break is pretty big. This is when MTV was big with Spring Break. Brooke Burke on the E channel was big. I, I know, Ted, you remember her. Oh, you know, yeah. All these, these shows, this was a big deal. So he just went, I just made millions off of doing this show. What if me and my buddies take a camera to spring break, make up a bunch of stupid hats and get girls to take their tops off or do stuff. And next thing you know, I forget the numbers. He, in the first year or something, he made like over $20 million selling these things. Because again, you just couldn't get this stuff for free on the internet. You would see the infomercials when you're watching David Letterman at 11 at night, 12 at night. And what would you do? You'd call that 800 number and buy a $25 VHS. And it was, it was insane. Cause I, I remember I'd, I'd tell my wife, I'd be like, they would show some of the covers and stuff like that. I'd be like, I remember, I remember those. It was a big deal. <laughs> that, that was the uh, March, 1998 uh, edition. <laughs> I had that one. It was crazy. But then, then there is the whole other side to it. The dude's a creep. I mean, yeah. he's, he's oh, actually like, a, he, he's a, right. He's a shitty human. And there's a lot of bad, bad stuff that went on too so you know that that's not cool but but the story the story behind it and kind of remembering what it was like back then and how this stuff was so big is kind of it's just you know going down memory lane type of thing so yeah i'm intrigued i'll tell you what Pamela yeah. Anderson, I, think I couldn't care less about that doc this one i will tune into to see what this whole story is about yeah yeah i'm oh, sure they like I'm sure they cover it well too, you know, from, from the beginning to the end. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and it was, like you said, it was a phenomenon. I mean, times have changed though. You can never <laughs> right. do that nowadays. You know, it is like, I, I need to know the ins and outs of this because it's like, what, what were the girls signing off on this? Was he just basically putting a camera on their face and recording them and posting it? Or I just yeah. wonder what, like what legally went wrong that kind of screwed him over. I wonder. Are you well, really? Him? Really, legally, nothing nothing really went went wrong because he had them sign waivers. They signed like waivers, that, yeah. That's the thing. He would have them on camera, sign the waivers. He would make them show their ID so right. he could make sure they're 18, and they would sign a waiver. And these girls, most of the time, you know, it was back then, this stuff, you just didn't. Times were just so different. And, like, 
they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They didn't realize this stuff was, you were going to be on the cover of this movie forever. This wasn't yeah. going away. Um, you got a t-shirt, you got a hat, you know, yeah, so you thought know, it was cool. What they were doing it for. I mean, they probably were drunk. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was an, in, it was an inside look to spring break, right? I mean, yeah, isn't that right. what spring break's really like? I mean, I just got a taste of uh, the real world when I went to New Orleans a couple of years ago and just <laughs> seeing them, all these chicks flipping their tops off and going, oh, if they're doing it in New Orleans, I'm sure they're doing it in spring break. Yeah. When you're on, I'll, I'll say this, I was recently on spring break, you know, what, four years ago. You're not thinking, man. You're just going. Yeah. <laughs> you get the blinders on. You're only worried about that week. Nothing exists after, nothing existed before. So I can see why something like that could happen. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I would I would recommend it. It's it's a one, it's an hour and a half. Um, oh. you know, it's like a one a one watch thing, or you can break it up into two or whatever. But but it's on Hulu. Well, it's it's on TNT, but um, we we watch our TV through Hulu, so that's where we watched it. So okay. wherever you can get TNT, sounds um, good. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. Super interesting, and it's not, you know, if you can get past. <laughs> what the actual content is or whatever it, it is very interesting well i got a couple this is not on the same topic i know jared you're <laughs> gonna love this one on netflix you, you know i'm kind of a deviant mind when it comes to shows about serial killers oh, and they they got one out out right now called the gacy tapes about john wayne gacy uh matt i'm sure you know his story a bit i'm not sure if jared does or doesn't the clown yeah it's the clown well just to recap a little bit for our listeners, in December of 78, police discovered 29 bodies buried on his property, most of them buried in his crawl space. And uh, this documentary, it's just, it's it's staggering because it's him actually on, on audio tape, you know, being interviewed by police, telling what was going on in his mind. They actually have some of the, not victims, but some people that almost were victims. I mean, this guy was absolutely one of the most deranged serial killers ever. And he led a normal life during the day. You know, it just goes to show you these, these, these guys that commit serial killings. It, they're bizarre, man. The whole backstory is just bizarre. And that one is, is one of the top of all time. If you're going to rank them, you know, we all know all about Bundy and some of the others, but, and John Wayne Gacy, there's just something about that dude that just is totally creepy. And then the other thing I where, watched. Where is that one at? That's on Netflix. It's one of the hotter ones right now. So if you're in, into serial killers and their backstories, it's definitely worth a watch. Was, job, uh, was he a clown during the day or that was his like disguise for these murders? No, uh, he came across most of the most of his victims. They're all young guys. OK, he ran a construction company and he would hire these young guys to go work for his construction company and. And some other people, some other young guys, he'd lure over there, you know, and uh, it's just, it's hard to describe everything, but I mean, it's, it's as creepy of a guy you'll ever want to see. And it's, it's well done as Netflix does these documentaries very well. Um, a little bit on the topic of the sec the last one I have here, and this is, this is kind of a family little thing here. So I'll just wrap it up here on that. Back in 1970, Jared, you'll you'll appreciate this. Matt, not so much. You don't know our family intimately, but when we were young, 1970, I was uh, 14 years old, okay, and Jared's dad was uh, was five, okay. So there's a family of seven. Our family all in the car. We go to Flint, Michigan. Um, we wanted to go to a movie, and at the Capitol Theater Theater in Flint, there was a movie playing called Ryan's Daughter. 
And my mom went up and talked to the girl there at the ticket booth. She said, hey, would it be all right to, you know, take the family into here? And the girl said, nah, I'm not so sure. We, I'm not sure that's a good idea. But anyway, she came back out to the car and said that all five of us are whining. We wanted to go to the movie. So we ended up going inside. And I don't know about your guys' experience. The first time you ever went to a movie and saw boobies. But this one was the very first one. Ryan's daughter. And it's 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 an epic World War One story, and by today's standard, pretty mild for what we saw. But there was one scene, you know, where, like I said, John was five years old. I'm 14, and there's everybody in between. And we're sitting in a movie theater, and we get to see a little bit of, of the fem female anatomy. And that was the very first time ever, 1970. It's just marked it on the calendar. So I thought I'd share it with you guys because I just saw it was on Turner Classics. And I had to record it and watch it. First time I've seen it since 1970. And I got to tell you, it was actually, it was a really good movie. It didn't hold up quite as well as today's movies, but it, it had a great story. Um, one of the stars, uh, John Mills, won a, a, a Best Supporting Actor Award. Uh, the cinematography in Ireland was spectacular. So, Overall, I mean, it was a good movie on the entertainment scale. I'd say probably 2.5. Not bad. And that was made in 1970. So there you go. Nothing slips through your cracks, man. Turner Classics. I didn't even know that was a channel, but you got it. You got it pinned down and you got the guide pulled up, man. Ready to make sure you don't miss a 1970 dandy like that. So. Yeah, I've, I've had a chance to catch up on some of the other old classics like Midnight Cowboy, The Graduates on there. I mean, some of these classics from... You know the the seventies. They're Turner classics, man. You got to check it out. I I remember mine, by the way. That's I, this is a weird yet. thing. I remember. Okay. Titanic. Porky's. Oh, Titanic. Titanic Cl went went with uh, you know. So I was about. I want to say that was ninety six. So I was about eleven years old. Went to Owasso Cinemas with my family, yep. Yep. sitting right next to my mom, and sure enough, <laughs> Kate Winslet. Draw me like one of your French women. And I was like, hey, this is like that March edition. My world, world was changed forever. And how old were you? 11? I think, yeah, like 11. Yeah. I think mine was probably the man. I think I got it. I mean, I saw Wedding Crashers when I was young. Mm. So it had to have been, I mean, their my first opening scene. So I'm thinking it was probably that one or The Hangover. But, but I definitely saw Wedding Crashers before I saw The Hangover. So I think Wedding Crashers was my first uh, foray. How old would you think you were? You don't want to know. And I don't think my parents want to know. So Well, you you did have older brothers to lead the way for you, too, right? Yeah, probably, man, six, seven. Pretty rotten mind over here. So, <laughs> there so that are. explains it. That yeah. explains it. Well, how about you, Jared? Is there anything you're watching at all right now other than uh, sports? No, I mean, yeah, winning time. You laid it out. I'm all caught up on that. I'm loving that show. Yep. I mean, take it for what it is, man. Yep. Stop complaining about it. I, I, and I, let me just close up my thought on that. Kareem, you sent you sent us the link of what Kareem wrote about it. Laid it out perfectly, man. Yeah. You know, he, say, he said basically, you know, I've been made fun of so many different ways my entire life, man. This doesn't bother me. He said, you know, this. Show, I thought the show was lazy with what they did. He didn't, you know, go and act like a freaking like his whole life was getting torn apart because of it. Basically, just said, "Hey, this could have been done better." Perfectly laid it out. If you want a perfect example of how I feel about this, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, what a writer, by the way. He's a great, uh, no, uh, he's a great mind. 
what I will be watching, uh, Man of, Man of the Arena, episode 10. I know our uh, favorite listener, Craig Numerick, he's going to be watching it. Uh, I'll be tuned into that. Great, great docu-series. So that's all that I've been watching. But no, mostly NBA playoffs. Yeah. NBA playoffs and Tiger baseball, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Love baseball. This is definitely the most Tigers I've watched in a few years. Mm-hmm. The team's actually exciting. It little little bit of luster has worn off since opening day, but it, it's still an exciting team to watch. Yeah, I think they're going to be there. I think it's going to be a nice race this season, and I think they'll be definitely uh, a legitimate wild card contender. So stay tuned. Should be a fun season for the Tigers down there, and they're going to get better too because they got some good young talent still coming up through the ranks. So should be a lot of fun. All right, I think we made it through another podcast, gentlemen. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to get on the table, let's wrap this thing up. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. As always, follow us at Three Point Pod. And uh, don't forget, this has been the Three Point Podcast presented by Memorial Healthcare. I can't wait for the grand opening of the new wellness center opening up in early May. In fact, tomorrow, I think I told you, I'm going over there for a little uh, sneak preview for the press. And I'm going to try and get a little video that we can post up on our our podcast site. I'm looking forward to checking it all out up close and personal. And also make sure you let all of our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Pro Real Estate and Auction, Memorial Healthcare, as I said, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, the Wash of Owasso and the ALS Association of Michigan. Until next time, so long, everybody. Stay strong, Ukraine and hashtag 57. Come on, Lions, pick up some good talent in the draft. So long, everybody. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is a Sportsnet Michigan Three Point Podcast production. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of your favorite podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to Three Point Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.